My bladder is bigger than my ego. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? What's happening? If you want to make it in this town, you'd better learn to dance to my rhythm. Otherwise, it's going to get complicated like Potomac and colorism. Okay, that was... <laughs> I feel like all of your taglines are like a short story slash rhyme situation, which I am extremely into. You know, this is the podcast to come with words. So like, I am extremely, it's like unpacking a, a, a beautiful gift. I'm like, where's this tagline going absolutely, to go? Absolutely. What kind of direction? You know, I was taking homage from Kyle. Because she always oh. says, if you want to make it in this town, in this town. And I was like, you know what? Let's go with the little Kyle here. Let's get a little Kyle magic going. You know, Beverly Hills is filming. So I know. So I'm excited. No day like today. Listen, uh, in Beverly Hill, in no town, Beverly Hills, Kyle tagline comment. It's Andy's Girls <laughs> episode. I don't know. Leave me alone. Um, I honestly am so excited for this conversation. I feel like I've been in a little bit of a a whirlwind of I don't know what today and so I I'm really excited to like settle mm. deep dive and talk to one of my favorite people who I truly feel like at this point I am asking him to guest host on every other episode of AG right now because I'm trying to set a record with this person for 2023. Welcome back to the People's People's Couch news, entertainment journalist, pop culture expert, and hashtag writer girl, Richie Sky. I love Richie. it. Getting my Carol Radziwill on. <laughs> There's no day like today. Let us all be. What would Carol, WWCD, what would Carol do? Absolutely. She'd run for the hills. I think she would. And before we do that ourselves, you just surprised me. I'm a little shooketh with just a, a casual glance via Zoom at a little project you've been working on, also known as a book can you please absolutely tell the AGs what the fuck is going on because i gasped people all over the world just heard my gasp slash shriek i'm i'm overwhelmed tell me everything i am super excited so i had this idea for this book it's called the wickedest wives and it's book one in a series of, of about maybe three or four i'm working on book two as we speak i'm on like chapter i think 14 of book two right now and I actually, I worked with a co-writer to write this first book because I wanted to learn how to write and how to, I know how to write. I've always been a writer at heart, but I wanted to learn how to write in a narrative form, right? I'm used to writing research and, you know, uh, proofreading journal articles. But for me, I wanted to be able to write something that was like, that you could dive into about a world that I know, which is reality television and it's kind of a mix of like, I would say, some of our favorite shows. I mean, it's it's Bridgerton meets Scandal meets Housewives. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, book two I'm writing right now, it's all me, solo dolo. And I feel like it's it's actually 10 times better than the first book. So, but but we want the people to buy the. First oh, we want the people book. to so buy the, the first the, book. The first Absolutely, book is exceptional. The second book is exceptional. Plus, I, I'm giving it, it what it is. It's that the story is so good that it just keeps getting better. Wow, 
I love I love this journey for you. This yeah. is like potentially a new universe. How do you um find escape for yourself because you've created all of these new avenues of creation whether it's different streams of income, different kinds of content creation, you're incredibly consistent. Now we have a book which is a huge fucking deal. How do you find your own kind of path to like escape or whatever else? That's a really good question because I've, I feel like I've been struggling with that a lot recently. There's a lot I feel like that's happening all at the same time. But I think one of the things that I'm learning is that everything can't happen at the same time. And I'm right now just learning to follow the joy of what makes me happy and letting some of the things that don't make me happy fall by the wayside. And I've just kind of, it, it's been a freeing experience to to a certain degree, but it's been a very hard experience to learn because it means that you have to take L's and some things that you really did want. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, it's writing. It takes me on a journey. These are these characters I feel like live in my head and I feel like I have to get it out. So it's, it's not a problem writing. Honestly, it's it's actually fairly easy. It's just sitting down, taking the time and writing. I will turn on an old like an old movie or I will turn on an old show that I've already seen thousands of times and just have it on in the background and start writing. I love that. I can't that. explain that's, it. That's incredible. And I also think, you know, when a person is writing aside from the editorial process and where you go with future drafts, there's a certain amount of control that you have, especially if you're creating characters and figuring out how to use and show your voice. I think that can be similar with content creation, but we're not necessarily always able to determine the content we're creating around especially in the bravo universe it's sort of dictated to us yeah so how do you manage like going down the avenue of yes of the things that bring you joy when your audience might have an expectation that you're you know like if a if a season of a housewives franchise you're just like hating it you're hate watching it you're not getting anything from it potentially how do you still continue to choose joy when it comes to like bravo content creation if there's an audience expectation that you'll continue down that path you know that's another thing that i i'm currently also battling and one of the things that i've done recently is i've just made the decision that if i don't enjoy the season i'm not gonna watch it and that's just that i mean there's there's always it always gets to a certain point and i think you probably can recognize this feeling as well at especially nowadays mm. the longer a season is on the more toxic it can sometimes feel and so by the by we start off so happy and giddy at episode 1 <laughs> and by episode 17 Mm-mm. you know everyone's mad i mean it it Think about every franchise we've been watching for the past two years. Have we not all ended up angry at the end? And we kind of relish the fact that, oh, my God, we are at the end of this season. I cannot wait for OC to start. You know, I can't wait for Atlanta to come back, you know. So I think what I've done is I've just kind of recognized the cycles. And it kind of some of that comes with the territory. And some of it is. 
if I'm not enjoying it, I'm just not going to watch it. I did not enjoy Salt Lake City. So as I told you, I did not watch the majority of it. I, I caught the highlights on social media. And, you know, of course, there were headline making stories that we could also talk about. But, you know, for the most part, if I don't enjoy it, I ain't watching it. Yeah, it becomes an interesting kind of um, almost math equation of what's the percentage here. Like when we're engaging with various communities and talking on social media or, you know, you have a thriving uber popular YouTube channel um, and, you know, one day... (laughs) I'll learn how to sign in, but aside from that. Um, but there are so many uses of our time in discussing the housewives, and it kind of makes you think a little bit about like how much time am I actually watching the show mm. versus engaging in conversation around it. That, now that is an interesting point. People spin in circles and fight about these things on social and spend <laughs> hours. It's, it's predominantly, I think, social media. It's been hours and hours on Reddit threads or whatever. And I just wonder, like, with some of these moments, some of these people, and oftentimes because of the network or production company's decisions, like, how much of it is worth the time but also the energy spent? That's a good question also. I mean, I would ask you. Do you feel like this world is a full-time world? Because it feels full-time to me. It, You know, when I'm done with the review, like I had to literally take an hour to just like watch. I was watching Criminal Minds. Like like I after I finished my review, because honestly, I put everything into my reviews. I, I throw everything in the kitchen sink. I'm talking diagrams. I have props. But it is all to convey a point. And there is a little teeny bit of a performative aspect to what I do as well, because I cannot help myself that I'm dramatic, right? But putting that much energy into something, it does leave you drained. And on a day like today, where there's so much content to process and reactions from you know people like Carlos King you you've got to dissect all of these things and it becomes again a full-time job I don't know how much time I spent on the podcast because I don't track it because it feels honestly overwhelming because it's like (laughs) the behind the scenes stuff that you certainly understand booking people scheduling putting out asks sometimes communicating and trying to negotiate with teams Versus the time watching the show. I usually watch the show once for myself. The second time I'm like really, really watching Mm. and then trying to catch up to like I tried the smallest amount of feedback because I'm really only on Instagram for mental health purposes. I cannot get anywhere near Twitter, but like, oh oh my God, I can't go there. (laughs) I'll I'll Google it. I was told to look at Candace's Twitter from last night. So I Googled Candace's Twitter and went there, Um, you know, but I just kind of some of this is so inescapable yeah which can be a good thing because it's the universe that we're all so proud to be a part of but if there are plot lines or storylines that could like leave a person feeling defeated it can be somewhat exhausting to find value from that. Like, it's like, am I finding value from this conversation because there's value from this conversation or am I doing the work that production and the network did not or the cast did not? That's a good question. 
Because I feel like there's a certain amount. I don't know if you get this, but I get this kind of feedback of like, I wish you discussed X, Y, and Z. And my the the podcast is it's it could not be less of a recap podcast, which is a very specific, important um, set of skills that recap podcasters have. This is like. We, it doesn't mean that we're not going to focus on X and Y ever, but it means that for the purposes of an hour slash nine hour long episode, we may only get to like three moments from two franchises or five moments from one. And so there's like a responsibility that sometimes felt to um, amplify or reamplify moments from these episodes. And it's like, wait a second, I get that. And that's important. And I agree with many of those points. But also, are we now substituting some of these content creators for the responsibility of the network and members of the cast? Like, can we have continue to have these conversations and not depend on one source of content creation to equalize that, if that makes any sense? It's an interesting question that you asked there because I get comments a lot of I get a lot of comments from people that feel like they would rather watch my recap than watch the show, which is a compliment, right? I take it as a compliment because it's like something about you got something from me that was hopefully entertaining or hopefully maybe, or maybe you didn't have time. You know what I'm saying? Because I've, I've done that as well. Um, But there, I think it, it is difficult to do, a recap of a show. It's very difficult for me because I felt like I'm, I want to tell it's, it's like me having a conversation with you about an episode that you did not see. Let me tell you what happened. Right. Um, so that, that does become very difficult. And it sometimes means as you kind of, the, the question that you asked was, are we sometimes doing the job of the network filling in the gaps? you know, uh, making sense of things that don't make sense, you know, for the audience. But, you know, I, I, I don't think I would, I wouldn't change what I do because honestly, I love what I do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I really, really do. And um, I don't know, it's a, it's a very good question. And it's an interesting space to be in right now. I think specifically in the wake of, a, an, of an episode like we had with Potomac and everything that's going on around with Potomac. And now the question has become for a lot of people, do we trust what we're seeing on the screen? Well, what does that even mean? What do you mean by, what do you mean by trust? Trust that the housewives feel the way that they're communicating or trusting that the network and production are being responsible with the message that they're sharing, if they feel any responsibility for that, which by the edit, I think that they do. I think that there's a question of whether or not what we're, what, what is being shared by cast members is is real or accurate. We look back at the Heather Gay of it all and the black eye. Mm-hmm. We we look back at the the Robin and Juan of it all. And I think these have been two really big instances, but there are more um, wherein we may have is is what we got actually the reality? Because I feel like people watch these shows and they want to feel like I'm watching a real life happen here and what ultimately detracts from that is when you have stories that feel contrived and made up for the sake of drama and 
and I don't know if maybe production feels like we want the drama without the reality, but I think that we would rather have the reality that is sometimes dramatic. Yeah, I think there needs to be some sort of balance. And, you know, I watch, so Carlos King put out a very um, emotional response to part two of the reunion, which I watched. I watched the reunion twice today because I didn't have it in me (laughs) to watch last night. And um, I watched Carlos's response and then I was actually rewatching parts of it. And I think he gets into a lot of sort of what we're talking about, like the idea of balance and there are important real topics that deserve to get the kind of time and grace and responsibility to truly unpack but that's not happening while we're being almost like overrun with stuff that truly is neither here nor there like trying to define and make light of like Karen's show getting this almost uh, he was essentially saying this got x number of minutes why are we spending the time on this because how much of that is actually important. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective about an episode that I think in many ways was really important. I agree. Or was intended to be really important. I don't know which audience it was aimed at. Mm. Just to go back to something that you mentioned, and I, and I, I touched on this in my own recap of the show i think one of a it going back to carlos watching some of his shows that he puts out right now i really enjoy because he's there's there's some petty drama but there's also real life drama and issues that are happening within the cast that are that are actually being discussed i mean everything from you know suicide to um uh, just all types of mental health dilemmas and issues and father son like like dynamics and that sort of thing they're really playing out on the screen and then you, so you have an issue like Giselle um and what was going on with her leading up to her having to get a hysterectomy which is something that i do not know about but i have a family member who I'm going to go have to spend about two weeks with who is having a hysterectomy next month. So to me, there's value in showing more of that journey as I would assume a lot of other women Mm -hmm. may have interest in as well. So we skipped over that for the majority of the season touched on it with a phone call in the season and we spent ad nauseum like a lot of time talking about things that don't matter when that is something that really matters now again we we want to be entertained that is true But the great thing about reality is that we can get both. You can get your vegetables and you can get your popcorn. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, 
and and people enjoy that because you come away with a more fulfilling a fulfilling experience i think that's sort of the struggle that i have with several aspects of potomac is that there is an obvious unwillingness from some members of the cast to share those moments of reality and that means that there were moments during the reunion that landed like a punchline with edits to like what we're going to see next week. Robin talking about how we need to share our real lives while we're filming. And it's like these moments shouldn't be laughable, but they are. And they're also seemingly happening with Giselle, like the idea that this she's going through this very serious health journey, which I think is an interesting perspective, not only in hearing about what happened, but also wondering like, what else is going on in her life that we're not seeing? Mm -hmm. Because Giselle and Robin did not know at the time of the reunion filming, I assume, they did not know that they would be informing the greater Bravo community about what Juan did or did not do. It feels like that kind of narrative that they were essentially projecting on their cast members and audience would have come true because in many ways they have a little bit of a majority rule in how the storyline moves forward because Giselle does a lot of cardio when it comes to like putting things in as much as people may or may not like what she's saying and I'm speaking from the audience not even the cast she does a lot of work to bring stuff up and it just feels like I wonder how this would have worked had we not been told the reality of what was going on. Mm. Because they have so much influence in how the story is told and how to move the story forward. And it feels like that influence maybe is coming across at this point as a little bit of a burden. You know what's funny? Giselle, Robin and crew kind of give a little bit of Fox Force energy. They do! That is exactly... Thank you. That is exactly what... that I you, you nailed it on the head. You nailed it exactly on the head. And it almost feels like Giselle is playing the part of Lisa Renna to a certain degree, although less chaotically. A more controlled Lisa Renna if you will. I get Lisa Renna. I also get some of the worst aspects of Kyle. Bingo. Okay. Because Kyle to me is very measured. Mm -hmm. She's measured. I think the difference for me is, and I think we probably touched on this before is that Kyle Oftentimes, while I feel like she has the confidence to stir the pot, she doesn't have the cojones to like fully own it. You know, Lisa Renna, and I know what I'm saying right now, okay? <laughs> I know I get the significance of me saying Lisa Renna and own it together. I get it. <laughs> but I do feel like she, for the most part, owned this chaos okay but i don't feel like it was controlled 
And I think, and just bear with me. I'm listening. I, I'm I'm about to take you down a road. I love. This. I don't know I if anybody it. will go down, go down this road with me. <laughs> we're going down it with you. We're go- we're, we're here. I'm the caboose. The Let's brakes have fallen off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was the magic of Lisa Vanderpump because Lisa Vanderpump, if you if she were allegedly the potster of all potsters, she did it masterfully. Wherein, for the longest time, I had no idea that she was doing anything mm-hmm. other than making snarky comments in a lovely, with a lovely English accent. <laughs> but I feel like Giselle is front and center, yes. I am stirring the pot. Yes. I am adding a little bit of hot sauce to this meal to make it extra juicy. I'm not out of control with it. I'm not emotional. I'm very measured. I'm very much in control. If you watch Giselle, she never seems to lose her cool. It doesn't matter what you throw at her. So for me, that's why I feel like she gives me, and I can see that, a little bit of Lisa Renna, a little bit of Kyle. Um, a little bit of all those women, but it's it's definitely Giselle leading this Fox Force energy that's on Potomac. I mean, I really and truly agree with you. And I wonder, you know, oftentimes Giselle's background and previous life as a first lady is used as a way to potentially helpfully examine why Giselle seems to not want to let us or maybe anyone in and I'm sure that there's a lot to be said there but I feel like we're never going to get through in a way because I don't know that Giselle wants us to be able to see her in a light that she hasn't entirely like managed or created but the flip side to that is like at a certain point, are we going to run out of things to otherwise say? Like, I think that's what Candace was saying in a much more eloquent way than I am now. But it was like the reason that people were the reason that you got so many responses from so many people, especially women, in sharing your story was because it was like maybe the first real thing that you shared. And while that was meant to be an insult, it doesn't mean it's also um, untrue. If we think about the Chris Bassett of it all, Giselle's like throwaway that like semantics doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he made me feel uncomfortable or the environment made me feel uncomfortable is really painful, I'm sure, to hear if you are Candace or Chris. Because it, it's, that is literally the universe that Giselle has created. The language is absolutely everything. And even hearing, like, there were just so many points where I either was reintroduced to Giselle or I just felt, like, uncomfortable about her responses because right now it just feels so uneven it just feels like they carry the majority weight. 
I would agree. I also feel like <clears throat> as because because of what we know now, it's like again, I go back to do we trust what's what's being said on the screen? Um, Potomac has become, especially this season, known for uh people throwing out wildly um almost ridiculous sounding accusations episode after episode. And I feel like myself and I, I probably I could probably speak for a good majority of the audience. We feel a bit desensitized to some of what we're hearing now. So as as Giselle is 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 speaking about her experiences with Chris, um, unfortunately, she's added so many layers to it. Um, we can't even get to the idea that if she did feel uncomfortable, that is one thing. But because there are so many extra things added to this mix. In, that right. she's added to her salad. Um, I can't even pick through and find the cucumbers that I need to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's an expectation that Giselle should be, quote unquote, allowed to ask whatever she wants and say whatever she wants, because that's the job of a housewife. And that's not entirely wrong. But it's like the question is, where is the imbalance in expectation of how that other person answers? Like, how responsible do they have to be to tell everything to Giselle to answer those questions when she, that isn't necessarily being asked of her? It feels like the expectation imbalance is kind of fucked a little bit. And also, when it comes to the husbands, I didn't really get a lot of <laughs> clarity in the Deborah of it all and I just was like it, it just this whole situation makes me feel so uncomfortable because if the editors had not done the like advanced work that they had done production obviously wanted this to be a storyline um but I just kind of feel like so much of this is garbled and there was a certain amount of humor that some of these cast members took in hearing this information about Eddie or Chris that has seemingly been entirely debunked by the edits that we're seeing. And it just like makes me feel a little weird about it. Like the fact that some of these women received this information that was absolutely flawed as like, ooh, this is delicious. Like at what point did this become the main meal that was being served on Potomac? Potomac is a better franchise than that. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been 
an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Ops. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkels-clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Well, I think that now you raise a good point because it also goes back to what are the producers asking for? Yeah, that's um, a great point. You know, I go back to some of the things that Carlos said and that uh, in his in his response to this, and I do have to wonder, even as as someone who would, I would love to produce a reality television. Show. I would love to be a producer. I would love to watch a show that you produced, honestly. Um, because for me. It's really also about, too, the connection that the producer has with the 
cast member and in pulling what is what are we talking what what is going on with you you know what what I, i've just even in my own experience with reality television i remember you know when we would sit down and do our interviews and those interviews would last like sometimes it felt like four hours like and you did so many of them throughout the time that we were filming and it felt like a therapy session every single time because my producer was asking me like the most the deepest questions but she had something that she wanted to that she saw and that she wanted to get out of me and that she wanted me to she wanted me to take this journey and to talk through it and she she could see that there was there were things there that there was a story to tell and my my question is do the producers have that sense of what's what's your story what is really going on and are they pulling that information out of the cast members because i think when you have a really dynamic cast you the cast is it's we know good casting when we see it that's i think that's the thing too it's like i'm trying to think of somebody that's given everything on a show i think a good person to talk about could be luann Luann has probably had one of the most dynamic arcs of anybody that we've seen on a reality television show. Or we could talk about Portia, who is also, I mean, and when I'm talking, I'm talking about having going through life experiences while you're on this on the camera and having to speak about them and having to be humble and you know, having to have humility about talking about getting arrested. You know what I mean? Like, what does that low point feel like? We're not getting that level of depth. And I think that that is part of the problem, especially when it comes to the Robin and Giselle of it all. Like, what is, again, like you said, what is the expectation? Is there an expectation at all other than, hey, your job is going to be start some drama? Cause that's not going to fly anymore with us. Well, that's the thing is that I think it did for a while. I think it did for a while too. Like what happens if that, if the audience expectation or as odd as it sounds, just the very, f- the framework of the show, the expectation around that, it just shifts. Like what happens if that's no longer um, good enough? Because I think, you know, Robin, I don't know. I I don't have as much of a connection to her as I do Giselle. I think Giselle is such a strong, great housewife. Like we can compare her to Kyle as I, you know, as we both discussed a little while ago, but like Giselle is an alpha. Kyle is a beta trying to be an alpha and failing. And that's actually interesting to watch. But with Giselle, it's like she is a strong, powerful, funny, quick, uber smart woman with influence with a lot of influence and sway and it feels sometimes like I just feel like I was watching that reunion I was watching these moments that I thought were really powerful but I felt like the breakthroughs were really only happening with the people who didn't need to like that conversation about which I want to get your thoughts on colorism at the very end of it but also throughout it Robin and Giselle, who are 
to people who I really ideally would like to hear respond were pretty much quiet, especially at the end. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, what are we watching take place just overall if Giselle and Robin and, you know, I'm going to put them together because that's what they do, are unable to move forward? Is that just the new storyline and their new arc? Well, I think, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about that um, colorism discussion. I, I think that it should have been had with a moderator, um, someone who is, I think, familiar with Potomac, but maybe a little bit removed in terms of, you know, just their ability to speak objectively and also have some knowledge of the far reaching impacts of colorism. Um, because there it comes in many forms. So I think that that needed to be discussed. I think that it would have been nice to hear each woman's experience. I think that that conversation should have been its own special. Um, and I know that there may be some um, paperwork and legality to work out in terms of, okay, this conversation went deep. Let's make it its own thing. If we need to pay these women more, per, you know, for that, for that episode, then let's do it because it's going to benefit them and it's going to benefit the network and it's going to benefit the audience because the problem doesn't just lie within the cast. I think the problem also lies with the audience as well. We have to take some of that ownership as well for how we respond to certain things from certain cast members. And maybe, maybe it could be subconscious. Who knows? You know what I mean? Because the thing about it is in that discussion, the thing that I didn't like was I did feel like Robin and Giselle were a bit more defensive than they were um, receptive, um, particularly Giselle. And it's and, I, and and again, I think, like you said, we we put more emphasis on Giselle because she is in this situation, the alpha. She is an alpha woman. I'm not saying she's the alpha of the group, but she has that type of persona. Mm -hmm. um, and she has so much influence over the rest of the girls. So. I do think that it would have been nice to see her at least say, you know what, um, Candace, I hear you. I hear you. How can we do this differently? What are the, even if you don't have the answer, even if you didn't feel like you were participating in it at a basic level, an acknowledgement of, hey, we're all on this show together. We're all women. We're all black women. I hear, I hear you. How do we, progress and move forward from here what can we do and that also has to extend to whether or not you like wendy or not you all still work together so there's also a sense of in the workplace right because even if i don't like someone and we all and you me and a third person work together okay I might not like that person, but how do I make this workplace experience? How do we collectively make it better? You've got to have that mentality. The same way Wendy had the level, had the wherewithal to say to Mia, I'm going to move forward with you for the group. Mm -hmm. I may never want to mess with you ever again in my life, but we can be cordial. We can move forward. We can move... It, I wanted that from Giselle last night and I did not get it. So it was, it was disappointing to me. I honestly felt like there was a level of emotional maturity, capacity, 
vulnerability and emotional intelligence that Candace and Dr. Wendy displayed that was like incredibly important um, and valuable and just I can't think of another word except important um, to see and to have as a part of the reunion. Like I just think they were incredibly impactful and it was very uncomfortable for me to watch Giselle so quickly brush off any very large discrepancy in how she views or even believes or understands these women because she doesn't like them. Like the empathy imbalance was not great. And I wonder if that at all connected with the defensiveness that she felt during the colorism part of the conversation because it was being led in many ways by Candace and Dr. Wendy as it should be. But it's like, I just don't see in Giselle, I see a consistency in her like refusing to empathize at points. Maybe it's because she's defensive. Maybe it's because she's under attack. Or maybe in her words, it's because she just doesn't like some of these people. And it just makes me feel a little oi. You know, like I don't see that necessarily in Robin as consistently as I do in Giselle. But I think, you know, it was it was happening on both couches throughout the reunion and season. It would be interesting to see them separated and how one would have one would have to function without the other. Um, particularly, I think Robin. The other thing that I think, listen. Basic civility to me would be, I can hear you and I can empathize with you, as you stated. But because I don't like you, it seems as though she's not hearing, she's not able to empathize. So that is another one of the reasons why I feel like a moderator would have been a very good solution because it takes away this idea that someone is talking to you or maybe she's feeling defensive about it because it's coming from someone she doesn't like, maybe she couldn't hear it, right? So if you have someone who is a neutral party, I'm I'm providing an opportunity for her to have somehow done something different. Would a neutral party have helped her do that? I felt like Karen was working her fucking ass off to to share that perspective, to be like, when Ashley was like, I don't understand why I can't just hate Candace and that be the end of it. And Karen is like, listen, it's not that you can't hold people responsible or accountable for their behavior, but how are you describing that behavior? What, how are you illustrating that behavior and penalizing them for it to a higher degree? And also if you need proof, the proof is Candace saying i feel this way like if you need evidence you have this woman saying as a dark-skinned black woman i feel like i'm being mistreated and also i'm going to list the examples and then you have dr wendy saying as a dark-skinned black woman i feel like i'm being mistreated misrepresented um held to a different standard penalized weaponized listing examples it's like you have proof on both sides of the couch you have ashley who's like a little argumentative because I think she's also thinking like, but I, 
you know, like, I do not like your behavior at certain points. Can I dislike it? But she seems to be open to listening, right? Karen's obviously open to listening. Mia. (laughs) Mia is so new to this. I don't even know if she has, I don't know if she's successfully navigated the nuances of Potomac yet. With, like, the Jacqueline stuff and the Dr. Wendy stuff, I think Mia's trying to skip a couple grades, and it's like, babe, no, we got to do some of our, we got to we gotta read up and study how <laughs> the Potomac, because this is not for the faint of heart. Like, this is, not. this is a tough school to attend. Very you tough. To be, you, this is, you're getting a fifth degree. Wendy already has four, but this is actually the lucky number five. Um, it's just tough in those conversations, but I also wonder like, how would the conversation have been different? You know, I have tried to, um, listen to the conversation going on by, by Googling Twitter on Twitter. And I watched Carlos's response and, you know, one of the points that he made that I thought was interesting was like, if the women didn't want to have a moderator, then, okay, don't have a moderator, but why is Andy sitting there? Mm. Like, it's not really a conversation amongst the cast when you have this silent white man in a position of power in the center of the stage just fucking watching. Like, he can watch, <laughs> and and if we want proof that he watched, because I felt like that was a part of it too, is like, he's listening and we need to see that so that we believe it. Have him do that off stage. but I felt like it yeah. added a level of something here that maybe it maybe this could have been a little bit different if these women didn't nece- it didn't feel the presence of Andy who was like trying to be supportive i'm sure best intentions but maybe change the vibe a little bit again this is where i think i i totally agree i think that similar to how they had Nicki Minaj come out last season he he was definitely he was in downstage left with a fucking chair out of here okay out of here and and Nikki took the stage I feel like I wish that the same thing could have happened maybe not with Nikki but with somebody again who's definitely right. qualified in that area love me some Nikki don't, don't get right don't, don't don't get at me Barb's but yeah, please, you know please. um <laughs> but that's the thing that I, I wish that we could have seen and I agree with you it felt to me this is the way I describe it it's like it's like you and I we work for a company and we are expected to give our honest opinions about our work experience with our boss sitting right here at the table. It's just Mm -mm. not going to happen. You are not going to get the absolute 100% low down and dirty truth about what we are experiencing as employees because boss man is sitting right here watching and I'm listening. Okay, yes, you are listening. And that's why we can't be real. And HR doesn't work for you. (laughs) HR works for the conglomerate. You know what I'm saying? Like, God bless him. God bless his this man who is like the literal genesis behind AG's name. But <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> and by guys, I mean like literally me. I have to. I, I will give Andy props because I felt like Andy was definitely clocked in on this reunion. There have been several reunions over the course of his time, and I'm sure it happens. You're doing what? How many reunions a year? I get it. You know, and he's got several, yeah. as we talked about earlier, you, you've got several jobs here. So you, mm-hmm. everyone, some, something's going to suffer. But I felt like he was definitely alert. 
he was in it this reunion and maybe in that moment a little too in it you know we needed him to it's okay for you to step out to the out of the room and let the women just navigate the conversation alone it, even if they're not going to have a moderator let them let them let's see what they can do amongst themselves yeah and i felt like karen was that bridge if it was needed she was there she as you stated earlier she did some cardio and i felt like she was working she did some cardio. It was interesting, though, to see the ways that she was used as a little bit of a barrier to deflect, like Robin saying Karen should have been more held more responsible because of what happened in Miami. I was like, what the fuck is what? What? I, I wonder. I just wonder. I have said this time and time again. Robin has a, I, I did a diagram. I would show it to you right now, but it's not going to really make any sense to the listener. <laughs> Um, but I'm, you know what? I'm gonna can, you, anyway. can you show it? Because I want to post it. I'm going to post it. <laughs> okay. That, you guys, this is going to be the second picture on the IG. Okay. Um, let me, um, for the, did you literally do a diagram? I did. I did. I'm going to show you. Give me one second. I just need I'm to. telling you guys, this man, he's, it's why Richie Sky is going to guest co host okay. 1,700 episodes this <laughs> Okay. So this, this, Sarah, is, is Robin. Okay. Now. <laughs> That's not diagram <laughs> that's a caricature this is, this is robin okay now this big mouth. is where robin big gets mouth. in trouble right here it's always because if and i said this i said this in my review when something doesn't involve you okay the best way to stay out of the line of fire is to do this okay all right it's to do that now, guys, that he, is just keeping your mouth closed. He just changed a full circle <laughs> mouth to like a little half. This is a literal drawing of a woman, and he's just changing the way her mouth looks. And, and it's, it's just a closed mouth. And the lesson here is that Robin <laughs> could stay out of trouble if sometimes you just have to say nothing. When the situation doesn't involve you, listen, go off and go up when the situation calls for it. Be present and in the moment and give everything that you have to give. But it's certain situations like when she stated that Karen should have done more to prevent Wendy and Mia from becoming more aggressive. I was like, Robin, how, how, how was she supposed to do that? You know, not only, and this is, Am I going to sound ageist if I say this? But I feel like Karen is more experienced than some of the rest of the ladies. What is she going to do or look like getting into the middle of two women fighting? Well, why should she have to put herself there? There you go. What, what exactly what does Karen owe Robin that necessitates her putting herself in a bad situation, which would inevitably make it a lot worse for Karen, let alone these two other women. And also, we're still not getting answers on how Robin made the situation worse by being so loud and heated with what the editors made into the like Robin MZ TMZ moment. Like, 
Recording it with her cell phone. Recording it with her cell phone, which she tried to say was like a genuine way to get content. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have camera crews surrounding. Let's not pretend you're worried about the edit. You obviously have tight control of it because you're not telling us what you're actually experiencing in your life. So I think we have an understanding here. If you were really concerned with making sure that you know, the people with the cameras got all the content. We would have had a very different storyline for you this year, but we did not. Instead, we had you telling Dr. Wendy she was, I don't remember the words she used. To fight or don't fight. There was that. But as Dr. Wendy said, like, let's try not to use dog whistles. I think a lot of that is the audience's responsibility in how they characterize uh women especially in majority black casts on social media certainly content creators as well but also like the language that robin was using was very loaded in like calling dr wendy aggressive and like i don't remember what else she's i honestly don't remember what else she said except every alarm seemed to be going off you know how i know that because dr wendy told us that that was her experience and so did what we watched. Why isn't that enough? Honestly, I got to tell you, last night was, it was, it was, it was a tough watch. It became a tough watch because I think what we saw a lot with Robin is that Robin gets herself in trouble. And, mm. and that's really the, the basis for the, the diagram is, is that Robin is, the creator of her own chaos. And there's so many examples of this. And it doesn't have to be that way. Robin is the one who told us about this. Granted, it was out there in the press, you know, the woman, you know, alleging things about Juan. But how many things are alleged about these, these reality TV stars? You don't have to respond to every fight that you're invited to. You know, at that point, Robin, she's married to Juan. You know, they've they've decided to move the needle forward in that way in their lives. The only thing that I would have done if I were her is when that story came out, I would have posted some shots of my honeymoon, right? Because at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Had she just chosen to say nothing, Right. She wouldn't, we, think about, as you, you asked this question earlier, what if none of this information had come out? How would our experience have been viewing last night's reunion if none of that information came out? The things that she said would have been a little bit more digestible, but because she later had come out with this bit of information well, not this bit of information. She tried to sell it to us on Patreon. We're, we're now um, privy to, wait, everything that you're saying in this reunion is, is contradictory to what you were actually doing. Yeah, and it feels like she wants us to just like take her word for it, but the word is about a year late. Like, it's how many months late? When did the wedding actually happen? And now we're taking your word for it that everything's okay and this stuff isn't real or something. It's just, it's a lot. And I just felt like, ugh. And this reunion's going to be three and a half parts long, including a one-on-one. -on -one. 
with Andy and Robin, except Ebony is there. So it's a one-on-one and also another. <laughs> like, it's a one-on-one and one. The one-on-one and also another. <laughs> like, is it, am, I, am, I, am I wrong? Like, we're spending three and a half parts on this, but we First couldn't... Of all. First of we all. couldn't expand the colorism conversation, like at least through another commercial break, but we're getting another we're getting another revisit to what we already watched with new stuff too. And Ebony's there. Shout, out to, shout out to Ebony K. Williams for just getting shout a front row seat. To yeah, all new of friend this. of new friend of on Potomac <laughs> when it comes to the reunion. She's a friend of on the Potomac reunion. Listen, That's she fun. could have came in and 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 really it would have been interesting to see her have that discussion on colorism with with the rest of the ladies because I feel like oh, yeah. you know it you know the, they're all on equal footing in in, in a, to a certain degree you know what I'm saying she has the housewives experience but she also has a lot of experience dealing with cultural issues so I do think that that could have been something there. Um, what do you think we're gonna get from this one on one? I mean, it, that we did not get from him questioning her. Listen. I don't have any complaints about Andy and the way he questioned her because I do think that he asked the questions that I was curious about. Whether she answered mm-hmm. them to my satisfaction is a different thing. But I want to know what's going to be different about this one-on-one that was that we didn't get already. You know what the problem is for me? I'm just going to keep it 100. Uh-oh. And I think it's a problem that like when I get feedback too, it's, it's probably pretty similar, which is like, I just don't like your answer. <laughs> I feel differently than you, so you're wrong because I'm not getting the answer that I want, that I agree with. So I can't hear this conversation because I disagree with it and and therefore invalidate it entirely. And I feel like with the Robin stuff, it's like, it's tough because it's like, babe, you're not, you're not giving the answer that I would like, which is like, you know, he fucked Canada, but we worked it out. Like... We're all, it's a mass conspiracy or whatever else. Speaking of Andy's questions, the fucking trailer for the one-on-one and another includes him being like, I'm going to fuck this up. So welcome to Words and Friends. But he was like, he was like, so you didn't read the texts or something? And I'm thinking, (laughs) what the fuck? Like, it's, he didn't even, we're pretending that this is entirely off of Juan's word you didn't ask for any backup even though you guys said like you had to take a while to work through this what exactly did you work through this is nuts bananas you can work through infidelity people have done it before absolutely absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. but again sarah this just goes back to what i said earlier say less say less because if you said less you wouldn't be in a position to now have to answer questions in a way that to the audience feels cockamamie. Okay. Like, what do you mean you didn't read the text? I hope that that was wrong. I hope that that was a bad edit. At, at least, for her. at least give me, I, you know what I would prefer to be honest with you. I would be, I would, I would love if, if, first of all, I hate that she has to explain this thing. But again, she has to explain it because she talked about it. Um, And she doesn't really have to give us an answer. But since she's appearing on the show, it appears as though she will. I would really just prefer like a, you know what? 
infidelity happens in relationships. And this is something that we went through. I was embarrassed. I I did not want to say anything about it. I was actually afraid that one of the other ladies was going to say something about it. I don't know why he did this. It baffles my mind and I'm terrified that it could happen again. But I am hopeful that now that we are married and we have you know made these vows to each other that Amen. we can have a life together or work something or work something out. I don't know. But that's where I'm at with it. That's what I would prefer. Cuz that's honest and I feel like if she said that, I'd be like, oh, listen, I don't know what he, I don't know about it. But if if that's what you want to do, girl, like, I can respect that. Well, but this is the whole Fakakta shenanigan here. Is that like, that would be honest, but it's not going to be honest to Robin. Maybe Robin doesn't want to know. Or maybe Robin mm. was told whatever, and she's just not fucking telling us because she doesn't want us to know. So now they're down this like winding path of whatever <laughs> because we're trying to make Juan into a better man. Like, I, it, it's, it's possible. Like, who knows? Like, it, this goes back into the whole, the whole fucking irony of like, well, if only I could change this person, I would maybe enjoy the show a little bit more. And that's just not how people work. It's just unrealistic for me to be like, wow, maybe after however many years she's been on this earth, Giselle will be interested or more or more engaged in being vulnerable. If that is not who she is, we cannot place that expectation on her or we can, we absolutely can. I do it every episode with somebody, but that's not, it's not fair of me to, or maybe it is fair, but it's not realistic. Like people don't change according to our expectations or understanding of their capacity. They change because they choose to. And like, Maybe they don't want to. And that's I think that's the current problem that I'm having with some of these fucking shows is like it's there's a little bit of a spiritual stalemate that's taking place. And, you know, Potomac just starts at a level that is higher than so many others, which is why we hold them to standards higher than so many others. The 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 bar for Teresa. Can you imagine? It's like Teresa. <laughs> I don't know. Say hi to someone. Oh my God, you win. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, it's just. You the- literally read my mind because I was going to tell you that is why I'm literally afraid to watch any more episodes of New Jersey. <laughs> I'm a. Af- I'm, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, that, listen, I am literally afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> of 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 my own reactions to what I already know is coming. I'm afraid. I'm afraid even when I open my Instagram after an episode. I have heard more about Melissa the villain than I have anything else over the past several weeks. Outside of Potomac. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like I just, hey, Teresa, Louie, Joe, Melissa, just never speak to each other again. Never. Just go to your separate corners. 
exist and we will all be much happier. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, I can't stop talking about New Jersey, but like I know it's just going to be a journey because I also think we all, all of us, have a tendency of watching these shows to get evidence that supports how we felt prior to the new episode from seasons past, whatever else. And it's like, if that episode changes, well, that just means that our strategy defending or whatever else is going to adjust according to that evidence, as opposed to like maybe changing our mind. And New Jersey is a prime example of that because no matter what happens, it's not to say that tree people are wrong, Melissa people are wrong, or <laughs> Louis truthers, if that exists. Like, it, it doesn't mean that people are wrong in how they believe. It's just how they be- the perception of what you're watching seems to be pretty closely aligned with maybe a long period of how you've communicated about some of these members of the cast. I would agree with that. I would agree. I just feel like with that situation, it it was riveting to me, I think, in seasons three through five. Riveting, oh, riveting stuff. The dark ages. The dark ages. Um, I enjoyed season eight where Melissa and Teresa were chummy and buddy-buddy and throwing cake at each other, much to Siggy's dismay, you know? I enjoyed that short period of time. I did. I really did. It didn't last long enough. It really didn't. That that season was was great. But now I feel like we're back in we're we're back in season 3 and 4 again. What do you think changed? I don't even know what number season we're on. I think 13, 12 or 13 maybe or something around there. What changed between 8 or whatever number it was and now? I don't know, honestly. I don't know what changed, to be honest with you. I don't know if it was having new cast members come into the mix and shaking things up and and sort of having alliances sort of create divides within the group. And then um, I also think that I I hate to bring this up because, but I also think it is a really big um, issue that they've yet to work through is losing their parents Mm. because I do think that there is some real stuff there that has happened and the, the people that really connected them um, are no longer there. You know what I wonder, I wonder what would have happened if no, no, if they had been able to grieve together as a family, knowing that their actual family is very, very small, which Joe and Teresa have, yeah. Joey, Gorga, and Tree have both talked about. I wonder how what we're watching now may have changed or adjusted a little if they had been able to grieve with time and space but intimacy had COVID not occurred Mm. because so much of the grieving process the funeral the memorial that we saw was restricted as as needed to happen because of a global pandemic but there was something that was taken away from them and from so many people and how you process 
and come to terms with or even figure out a way to express grief because the language of grief for many people is like the funeral, the shiva, the wake, the connection with loved ones who don't need to be immediate family members. But there is at times a a bond that can be created even from just, just in quotes, that moment and that process. And I wonder, you know, if we would be watching exactly the same thing at exactly the same moment, had they been able to really grieve with each other and and go through the process of Nono getting very sick. And I forget, I forget how long ago Teresa's, Teresa and Joe's mom died. Do you remember how long ago that was? It wasn't that long. It was like maybe a season and a half ago. <laughs> like I'm I'm trying to figure out time by seasons. I could be wrong, but I thought she might have been away when that happened. No, she was back. She was back? No, I think or Joe's... she Or she at least lost time. She yeah, felt like she, she had lost time with her. Time right, with 100%. Her. She yeah. lost time with her parents, 100%. Um, I just wonder, like, with how much of that may have... Um, you know, if they had been able to grieve together without any restrictions other than what they placed on each other because of the nature of their relationship and the boundaries that already existed, if that could have adjusted anything. It could be just me like pulling something directly out of my ass. I really have no idea. Well, I just as I as a light bulb went off in my head and I thought it was also, I believe, the Louis of it all. You know, when Two Louis ago. Yeah, when Louis first came into the scene also um there was a lot of stuff out there about him Mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of that stuff was kind of hard to ignore and i think that Teresa wanted joe and melissa to really stand firm behind her and finding this new love and supporting her and to a certain degree i think that i can understand that wanting to find like wanting your family to just have your back no matter what despite what they're seeing online but they're seeing it online they're seeing everything everything's coming out about this guy i feel like maybe that not feeling like she had that level of support also made her feel alone yeah i think that support for Teresa is loaded very and I think unyielding unyielding and also uneven in the expectation of what support looks like for Teresa versus the expectation of how she is supposed to support her sibling. But I also think there have been some breakthroughs and there's this thing on um, AG called Satchels of Gold, which are listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, concerns named in honor for holiness, Kelly Clorin Ben Simone, which I typically unpack on Patreon. (laughs) There are two Patreon Satchel Spectaculars up now, and one of them is an hour plus that is unpacking up a um, Satchel of Gold from a listener who is a um, licensed counselor who sent a Satchel specifically talking through, she sent a table of contents. It was listed, the topics that were going to be discussed. And then I was like, oh, oh my love. God, this is I the love. greatest thing I've ever received. <laughs> but like it was talking through actually giving a lot of nuance to Teresa's growth and challenging the idea of the ways that sometimes um, 
a person's culture can be used to like weaponize relationships potentially or to add uh, um, or amplify boundaries or obstacles. A lot of perspectives on the Italian culture that surrounds Teresa and Joe, wedding stuff. It was really interesting because I think that like when we talk about Teresa, there is like a little bit of an LOL about like, where's the bar noting she's shown us every seemingly everything, but there's sometimes, um, I don't know how much of a capacity there is for people to be like, wait a second, like maybe there are areas in which she's growing and we're just not noticing it or reviewing it in a different way that I thought was really interesting that it still gave grace to, uh, and, but also challenged some of Joe and Melissa's stuff that really felt, um, like a really interesting examination that I felt was really helpful in all of this. And guys, it would be an AG classic episode of its own. It was literally an hour <laughs> of like going through it and unpacking it and, and responding to it. But I, I appreciate that kind of perspective because, um, Teresa doesn't help herself in some ways by how she responds to things. It, it feels so black and white. It feels like thick. Mm-hmm. Sometimes her responses are just thick and loaded and like something being thrown your like a a missile you know like a missile being thrown your way um and i just appreciated that because we can perceive a person's growth without it existing but i actually was like oh you know what there's some there's some examples here that are are helpful to see hmm. um but i still i got some questions about louie <laughs> You and everyone else. Okay. You're coming back on. I know you're very busy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of things going. Got the book. You've got uh, every platform known to mankind. You're killing the game. But you're coming back on Andy Scrolls like literally in an hour and a half because we need to (laughs) unpack New Jersey. And it's going to get so fucking intense. Like It is. It already feels like it is, and it's just going to get worse, which is where I so appreciate your perspective and insight because it influences my opinions, I have to say, definitely. Also, tell me. At some point, I have to come back and discuss Vanderpump Rules. I literally just started watching this show after not watching it since season one. I know I watched season (laughs) Wait, have you not watched it since season one? Nope. So what are you watching? Are you watching the current season or are you catching up? I'm watching the current season. I was like, you know what? Let me just dive in. I was like, I, I said, let me let me, d- let me, me put my toe in and see what's going on. I sat on a Saturday and I was just like, let me watch these episodes. I'm captivated by the sheer messiness of the there's what is he doing with what is this old what is this gentleman doing with Raquel okay like she is much too young to be fraternizing with this man who seems like he's been all over the place literally with a bunch of different girls um that work with him I'm like how inappropriate is that 
So I need to catch up on Vanderpump for this. I feel like I'm already behind. This season, have there been three episodes? I think I've I've watched two, and I think that another one came out, I think it was last week's, and so I need okay. to catch up on that one. So I'm two episodes behind and then one episode behind on Summer House. So I don't even know. I don't even remember if I watched the VPR premiere. No, I watched the I watched the premiere. I watched the premiere. I just haven't seen since then. So I, I will, will catch up. I will say that I'm enjoying it because I'm not recapping it. See, this is the thing. That's why. And people ask, are you going to recap VPR? And like, I absolutely can't make the commitment to doing it every episode. I don't know where I would be doing that because I feel like, honestly, Patreon which is the light of my life because so much of it is about like listener thoughts. I just don't even know that I could do that for every episode because I want to just be able to watch it. Yeah. I but sometimes, sometimes definitely, but I can't do it consistently. I don't think that's the joy of it. I feel like I'm, I don't have anybody to talk about it with because I'm not recapping it. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh my God. what is this mess that I'm watching this holy mess, but I'm enjoying it. Wait a second. I need to catch up so I can text you about it. I just got so excited. And mm -hmm. I felt so sad. I just got like a sad little, I just felt like a sad little puppy because I was like, oh my God, I can't even participate in this because I'm behind. <laughs> I know I'm hearing from people that VPR, I know the last two seasons were bad, but I'm hearing from people that, that it's a solid, a solid season so far. I watched the premiere. I just don't remember anything about it. I think I liked it. Yeah. I, I found myself. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm entertained. I think I'm going to keep mm. watching like silently amongst, you know, just a few, a, a few people. <laughs> oh my God. We are. Well, that conversation will definitely continue. You're coming back. We're going to do jurors. We'll do a little VPR. Do you summer house? I don't summer house. And I almost feel like, oh, I'm so late to the party. It'd be hard to start. I always feel like that when it's like seasons in and I'm like, oh, uh, there's clearly divides already and people have taken sides and I don't know where I would fit. I feel like Summer House is one of those shows that you could just like, you know, you you need a rest, you need to take two weeks off. You can do it then. You know what I'm saying? Like you can binge multiple. You don't need to. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one of those shows that sort of like Love Island where like you could watch it live and like enjoy that. God bless. Or watch it the next day. Or you could just, you know, watch that over a couple weeks and and go from the beginning and catch up honest it'll be there it'll be there it's great but it'll be there i actually hate watching the episode while it's live hate it do you know why um go on. i i like for my night times to be my me time okay i really do um just as an aside being married i feel like that's our only time that we have to like just like relax and like watch television together and you know he's gonna automatically fall asleep and i'm gonna you know kind of just be <laughs> left to watch whatever i want to watch it's fine it's God great bless. <laughs> love us news but yeah i mean so i i hate having to get out my laptop and mm -hmm. and and become a secretary and take notes i just want to mm -hmm. enjoy whatever it is i'm watching and when i get up in the morning okay i'm ready to start my day i will watch my shows so I do hate watching them the night of. I absolutely agree. I rarely watch live. I do not particularly enjoy it. There have been a few occasions recently with New Jersey and part one of the Potomac reunion where I was like, I felt 
like a societal responsibility <laughs> as a alcoholic <laughs> to watch this live. But like, aside from that, I really don't like it. It's not for me. I usually do my morning after Harney and Son cinnamon spice tea froth with two different kinds of non-dairy milk sitting in the cloth, yes. like living my best life. Like I have a whole process. But additionally, my Sunday nights have been taken over by The Last of Us. But I've also <sighs> discovered, especially last night, I was so overwhelmed with anxiety anticipating what I thought might happen or might not just the understanding that anything could that I was in such a funk during the episode of The Last of Us and after because I was just so anxious which continued into today like I have been no joke feeling anxious because I think I kick-started something last night that's like still running its course which unfortunately affects like, you know, watching Bravo stuff. Cause I'm like, oh shit, this, I just need to flush this out. Yep. It's, it's changed. It might be ch- changed the temperature of how I've been even over the course of recording. Cause I'm like still growing through it. I feel like my genuine feeling, you know, maybe I'm attributing it to the show and it's not in- entirely the show, but absolutely a large part of it is. I was in like a... <laughs> stabilizing physical position while watching that episode last night because it it the last of us is like i love it i can't stop talking about it it's a religious experience but it's also absolutely fucking me up you know i was gonna ask you about whether or not i should watch it but i don't want to be effed up it will be an emotional experience Mm -hmm. i don't deal well with scary stuff and i am doing this i could not more highly recommend it while also cautioning you that if in any way you're looking for an outlet or escape, this is not the show. It is all about connection in ways that can be difficult to unpack. No, ma'am. I am looking for escapism only right now. Yep. Summer house for you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Unpack that lover boy and get the turtle time started. Listen, Richie Sky, I could talk to you forever. Here's my number one question for you. Yep. Where can people pre-order the book and when does it come out? <clears throat> okay, so here's a secret for the AG listeners only. I have not even told my own oh Sky Squad oh community God. this. So for Sky Ooh. Squad members who are listening, you, you get a treat. But the book is out on March the 31st, and okay. it's actually available for pre-order right now. Oh, my God. So if I put a link in the show notes to this episode for folks to very easily pre-order this book, they could do that by looking at the show notes, which y'all motherfuckers better be reading every mm-hmm. episode. because I put in a little bit of labor of <laughs> love and laughs for that. That's fantastic. And they can pre-order it on Amazon. Yep. Pre-order on Amazon and on March the 31st, unless something changes. And I mean, unless there's like some last minute change, um, the audiobook will also be available on March the 31st as well. So you can get that as well. Are you doing the audiobook? I'm not doing the audiobook. I found a wonderful narrator who sounds to me like she is reading to me while I'm sitting in front of a fireplace. Mm. Oh, I love that energy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I thought about doing it, but I talk enough for a living. And I'm like, I, I don't want to sit there for four to five hours. Actually, it's like, I think about five hours. So I don't want to do that yet. I, wouldn't it be a lot more? Isn't it like a whole? It's a process. It is a, it is a process. 
think I read somewhere about like maybe Prince Harry is like the amount of time it took him or somebody else. Maybe it was Teresa. I really couldn't tell you. But somebody, somebody influential took them a, a minute, a minute. Um, Richie Sky, tell the AGs where they can follow you on social, any interviews that we can look forward to coming up, whatever, mention it all. We want to know. Hashtag Sky Squad. Yes. Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and YouTube at DJ Richie Sky. Um, no really big interviews coming up, just kind of like um really focusing on this book, um, mm. making sure the audiobook is all done and finished and everything is ready to go by the 31st um we've done commercials for this as well so i'm super excited about that so there's visual components that go along with this as well um <clears throat> otherwise you guys can just follow me on instagram and facebook and youtube amazing and hgs while you're doing a follow um definitely check out my instagram which is going to have a little screenshot of um the illustration that richie was so kind enough to share with me during the recording for this episode um can't wait to get your reaction hgs to that moment um which was honestly priceless um but speaking of things that are, they feel like pri they're priceless, but they are, in fact, absolutely not. The Andy's Girls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. The Patreon Satchel Spectacular that I mentioned is up, as well as a second Patreon Satchel Spectacular compliment. Deep diving, more thoughts on Potomac, New Jersey, so much more. Um, Richie Sky, oh my God, you know my heart sings whenever you come on. You're coming on in like probably two weeks. I'm not joking. We are going to schedule that offline. And I'll be back. And you're definitely coming on when the book is officially out. My God, oh, yes. we need to we need to do a little AG book club. It needs to go. I have I have space on the clothis shelf. I need to display Richie Sky on display, on display, on display each and every day, every day, every day. Better be signed. Holy shit. I will you send you a copy. Crew. Oh my God. I can't. And it is, it's, it's an easy read. So I think it's like, it's a fun read. Well, I mean, after The Last of Us, I'm looking for nothing but fun. Okay. So this sounds like the perfect compliment to anybody that needs to scale down, ease down, ease on down just a little bit because our temperatures are. We're at 106 and we need to be at 98.4. So <laughs> I think that will be a fantastic choice. Um, in the meantime, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.